Are you currently enjoying the show on the Stitcher app? Then you need to know Stitcher is going away on August 29th. Yep, going away, as in kaput, gone, dead. Rest in peace, Stitcher, and thanks for 15 years of service to the podcast community. So switch to another podcast app and follow this show there. Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Gang, for over a year now, I've been talking about True Hemp Science full-spectrum CBD oils and how they've reduced my anxiety and helped me get better sleep without waking up feeling foggy and confused. I've also talked about the full-spectrum CBD bombs that relieved my hand pain last year and made playing piano and guitar much easier. Well, gang, today I'm going to tell you about True Hemp Science organic gummies made with full-spectrum hemp oil that are available now. They come in two different gauges. There are five uh, 50 milligram ones that have 50 milligrams of CBD and 1.5 milligrams of THC. Then there are ones that are 100 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of THC. Absolutely delicious uh, lemon lime slash orange flavors and also watermelon black cherry flavors. Super, super delicious. Now, now they also have a complete line of full spectrum CBD products, including oils, tinctures, skincare lotions, sports rubs, chocolates, gummies, all kinds of stuff. Well, gang, How Did I Get Here has teamed up with True Hemp Science to bring you a very special offer that benefits all of us. Spend $100 or more at TrueHempScience.com and you will get a free gift. Just enter the code HDIGH at checkout. There's a little code placed there for you to enter it, HDIGH, and you will get a free gift with purchase. That's right. Go to TrueHempScience.com and balance your body and mind with True Hemp Science. Let's get down. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys had an incredible Independence Day, a fabulous 4th of July. I'm actually doing this on 4th of July in the afternoon. And uh, let me tell you something. It's been fabulous. It's been overcast. So that means that the sun isn't beating down on you. So it's not super duper hot. So me and Rosie were able to go out and really take advantage of this morning. We spent about two hours walking, playing at parks, throwing the ball, her playing with other dogs. Great time. Great, great time. And I'm celebrating this 4th of July uh, well, by practicing fastball songs for the shows that I have coming up with them, doing this podcast intro. And then later on, my girl Jenny and I and Rosie are going to have a 4th of July feast. Yes, it's going to be on the healthy tip. I got some veggie burgers, uh, which I will make in the air fryer, maybe put some cheese on them, put them on, on a bed of, of baby spinach with some cherry tomatoes. And maybe some of this uh, chipotle aioli I got at the store this morning, which looks really good. And uh, some partnered with some sweet potato fries, which I'll make in the air fryer. Delicious. I did, I did go on a, uh, a very unhealthy dessert. I'm going to make a Funfetti 4th of July cake. I'll take a picture of it and put it on our, on our Facebook page. Also, I'll take a picture of the, uh, of the broken down burgers that I'm making. The broken down veggie burger scene without the bun. 
See, I'm trying to keep it healthy. That's what I'm trying to do. So anyway, I hope that you had a safe and very healthy 4th of July, a very cool 4th of July, and did everything you got to do. And I hope your pups were safe from all the fireworks. I used to have a dog named Taylor who passed away about three years ago. He was deathly afraid of fireworks. Rosie, no problem fireworks. In fact, she, she goes outside and is like, what is this? That's insane. She gets excited and runs around like, what's going on? It's cool. Um, anyway, happy 4th of July. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July. I hope you're safe. Hope you stayed cool. Hope you did something super fun. Gang, uh, before we get to today's show, I have one more quick announcement to make. The uh, show that I've been telling you guys about that was done through GigStan, which is Shooter Jennings and my friend Star Long's app, a new booking app, has booked. And uh, the show is taking place. It's Johnny Gowdy's How Did I Get Here presents Johnny Gowdy. Leslie Sisson from Movie pa- Moving Panoramas and Aaron Sinclair from the band A Sinclair. Uh, we'll be playing at Sound Space at Captain Quackenbushes on Friday, July 21st. Uh, shows at 8 p.m. Ticket price, all in all, with the tax and everything, $17.50. Come on out. I will be doing short interviews with each of them before their solo sets. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask one of them to come interview me during my uh, right before my solo set. What do you think of that? I'll be doing some short How Did I Get Here interviews, and then uh, they'll be playing uh, solo sets, and so will I. So it's going to be a great time. That's Johnny Gowdy's How Did I Get Here presents Johnny Gowdy, Leslie Sisson, and Aaron Sinclair at Sound Space at Quackenbushes on Friday, July 21st, 2023 at 8 p.m. I will put a link to this, uh, to the gig stand event thing where you can buy tickets or, uh, yeah, come on out. I would love to see you at the show, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a new kind of show. I think I'm going to do start a, a thing where I start doing more of these How Did I Get Here present shows. What do you think? Would you like to see more? I would like to do more. All right, gang, I have a great show for you guys today. Singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Brian Bacon is on the show today. Uh, Brian has spent the last eight years playing uh, as a multi-instrumentalist in Robert Earl Keane's band. And of course, Robert Earl Keane went ahead and retired. But before that, Brian had this crazy prog bluegrass band called Milk Drive, where they put out three studio albums, one, one live album, and toured multiple times in Europe and the U.S. and beyond. And then, of course, he was in the South Austin Jug Band for five years, and they toured the U.S. and Europe. So uh, Brian Bacon has decided uh, decided during the pandemic that he had all these instruments laying around his house, two microphones, and the ability to record on his computer. So he just started writing songs and recording. And he dug into sort of like his whole tapestry of what makes him a musician. Like he started, he started playing violin at the age of eight, and then he switched to to fiddle. Then later he began playing guitar and bass and mandolin and other instruments uh, around in, in the Houston and College Station area. All right. Then he ended up moving to Austin to go to school and attend University of Texas, where he joined the South Austin Jug Band and ended up with them for five years. So he had all these instruments laying around. 2020 comes around. He's under lockdown. He's just sitting in his house. He starts writing songs. He writes and records 20 songs that are like rock songs that influ- from the influence of all of his music. It's a really incredible record. In fact, he gets compared to Tom Petty and stuff like that. And it is that kind of music, like just really great songs. Brian and I have a great conversation about recording this album, New Geography. I didn't say the name of it. That's the name. Of it. It's called New, New Geography. It's, it's his debut solo album. It's out now. You can find it wherever it is you stream and download music. You can find him at brianbacon.com. I'll put a link to it in the text of this pod or in the, in the body of the, of, of this podcast, in the text of it, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and he recorded this record all on his own, played all of the instruments. It's really fucking good. 
it's really, really good. And I love it when people make records like that. I've made a record like that. I've done a lot of recording like that in my time. And I really love sort of the vibe of one person's vision, even if they're not incredible at all of the instruments, which Brian is actually a fucking great drummer, a great musician, everything. Anyway, so he recorded, wrote all of these songs, did all of this, and then ended up having a mutual friend of ours, this incredible uh, drummer who I was in Liars and Saints with about 10 years ago. Uh, this guy named Joe Hummel mixed it. Yeah, that's right, man. Fantastic record, man. Get out there and check it out. New Geography available now wherever it is that you uh, that you stream and download your music. And uh, you'll be hearing this song, The Weekend, the song that opens the album, which is a great, like, to me, a great rock and roll power pop song, which I love. And Brian and I have an incredible conversation about his journey in music, his journey as a person, his time playing with Robert Earl Keane, the crazy prog bluegrass of Milk Drive, South Austin Jug Band, and much, much more. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with this incredibly talented artist and musician, Brian Bacon. Let's get down. South Boston Joe band that was with Warren. Was so Warren in the band. Warren uh, Warren left, but he was in it. He was yeah. in it. Yeah, uh, he you was took a, his place. I took. So Warren was in the original group. Yeah, he left to go yeah. to college, and they hired um, this guy named Dennis Ludiker, who took over fiddle for him. Dennis Ludiker I, was a childhood friend of mine. Uh, although he's from Washington State, I'm from the Houston area, but we were both uh, grew up going to fiddle contests. So we met in the Pacific Northwest at the big national fiddle contest. I'm in high school. He moves down to Austin to join the jug band to replace Warren. They start playing around Houston. I start going to to their shows and get to know all of them really well. Uh, Didn't they have a weekly thing at Momo's? Yeah, every Sunday night. Okay. Was like kind of how, well, it wasn't kind of. That was how they got a crowd. Okay. And then... uh. They kind of they went to Telluride one year, the big bluegrass festival up there, and played in the new emerging artist contest and won that, and so got traction with the hippie jam band scene. So they kind of became a semi-national touring act, and that's when Dennis joined, and then uh, Matt Slusher, who was the mandolin player, he left the band, and Dennis went from fiddle to mandolin, and that's when they hired me to play fiddle. What year was that? That was 2004. Oh. So yeah. South Jug Band was around for a while before then. I, I think their like, a f- official start was like the year 2000. The year 2000. Yeah. Might yeah. have been a little earlier. may have been a little later. But I think that's a good time to say that's when they started. Yeah. You're from Houston. Yep. Where in Houston? Uh, I was born in Conroe, which is about yeah, baby. 45 miles north of Houston. And then uh, I went... Um, I went to Conroe schools till seventh grade. I went to I went to first grade at Sacred Heart. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew um, I knew a lot of people that went there. I'm so much older than you, dude. It's really <laughs> funny. I'm 54. Are you from that area or no? No, I just lived in Grangerland. You know that place? Oh, yeah. Little I, mean, I haven't heard that. It's name a fucking like school there that was from like uh, the 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 uh, like 1919 or something. We mm-hmm. lived in this schoolhouse for my mom was a hippie. Cool. So we lived in this weird schoolhouse. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard Grangerland in yeah, that years, weird? decades. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, so Grangerland. I didn't even know it was that. Like, it's a place with just a post office, right? It doesn't even have a square or anything. Yeah. Um, so you, like, what's it like growing up in Conroe? Oh, uh, pretty typical suburban uh, environment, really. Um, although a lot of, uh, I, I don't know if it's still the case, but Conroe, especially Montgomery County, which is like Conroe's the biggest city there, was like the uh, drunk driving capital of... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like you watch football and you drink and drive. Yeah. I grew up, like, as a kid, like, uh, my grandparents and people we knew always, we always knew somebody with a house in Walden or April Sun uh-huh. or something. Yeah. It's funny, because when I was a kid, it wasn't a suburb. Like, there was there was Houston. Even the Woodlands was almost like a different city. But now it's just like, yeah. Houston goes all the way to Conroe. There yeah. used to be, like, t- visible sections right. of nothing. Well, <laughs> now it's going even further. Uh, I, I would say that Houston kind of stops at Willis now, but... Um, I mean, they're even expanding I-45 all the way up, like, past New Waverly, which is now Walker County. So, I mean, it's just it's just all concrete now. It's all the same run of strip malls and Lowe's. stuff like that. Yeah. You need to go to Lowe's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that whole aspect of the world is really depressing to me. Just the homogenization yeah. and the loss of... You know, the fucked up thing is, is that in our capitalist society, you want, like, the Lowe's are the winners, right? Sure. And the and the and the Coles or whatever hell place DSW and shit they're the winners, but the thing and and, the, and the, that's what sort of the the more conservative and shit supports. But really, the what happened to buy American and American? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what about mom and pop? Right. That was the shit that kept cities alive. Yeah, uh, you know, there's still a good amount of people that support that notion, but like at the end of the day, when it comes down to, am I going to drive a little further and pay a little more? That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because people want shit made in America, but my thing is always like, well, if you've gotten used to buying $10 shirts, t-shirts, right. that's over. Yeah. Like they're all going to be 35 or 40 bucks for just a t-shirt. Yeah. Because if you get it made in America, it's going to like the reason why... Yeah. Right. Well, you know, that all boils down to like, how much are you willing to sacrifice to put your money where your mouth is literally? So, um, I don't know. Convenience is, uh, convenience kind of always wins. Yeah. It seems. Oh yeah. Yeah. Welcome to how did I get here? A buy American podcast. It used to be a music conversation podcast, but now it's a buy American podcast. I have different (laughs) musicians come on and we all talk about how people need to buy American. Um, so, hey, I want to talk to you about this because this is actually super. Oh, I, I, did I tell you on microphone? New Geography, great record. Thank you. That's your debut record for dude that's been out there making records, yes. playing, touring America and Europe like a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> and, and you're making your first solo record. Finally, now you're putting it out. Yep. Is it scary? Because um, you're the guy now. It, now it's your fault. Well, <laughs> if, if everything yeah. goes wrong, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit scary in terms of, um, uh, yeah, just putting myself out there, which has like been the thing that I've uh, been the least good at is putting myself out there. I've always like, you know, been kind of hidden behind like a band name or like a sideman right. thing, you know, like, yeah. so to be like it all, the buck stops here is a little intimidating. Right. Um, well, the record's great. Thank you. And it's cool. It shows a little more rock side of what, like, from your sure. history, I expected something a little more yeah, bluegrassy or, or something. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I uh, the first instrument I learned how to play was the violin, and that lasted about nine months until I learned what a fiddle contest is. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, what's the difference between the fiddle and the violin? And there's uh, there's no difference other than you can't spill beer on a violin. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of people yeah. are like, well, explain that to me. I'm like, well, a violin would be nowhere near the proximity of a beer to have it spilled on it. But exactly a right. fiddle is kind of soaked in beer and whiskey and other yeah. libations. Yeah, exactly right. There's a little more... Uh, a person can move around when they're playing a fiddle. Sure. You yeah. got to stand still when you're doing that violin. That's or people right. People are going to get mad at you. Yeah. So um, thinking in, in terms of like, you know, growing up playing the fiddle, you would think that uh, a, 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 sorry, go ahead. Really quick. What was the transition? Like, what, what did you see? What did you experience that made you go, uh-uh, I'm doing fiddle? Uh, my mom is from East Texas and in the town of Crockett, Texas, which mm-hmm. is in East Texas, there has been a, it's probably approaching 100 years of this thing being in existence, but it's, they call it the world championship fiddler, fiddlers contest. And she went there when she was a little girl. And when I started doing the violin thing, she was like, well, maybe he would like this. So she took me to Crockett one year and I saw kids my age playing in this fiddle contest. You know, there was a, it's on a stage and there was people there and a crowd and they applauded and uh, I just saw kids my age doing what I do but in a completely different way and uh, that's uh, just something clicked and it was just like no more violin fiddle yeah Uh, it just dawned on me that probably the main difference is you can play what you want yes yeah and on a violin you can only play what someone told you that's probably way more to the (laughs) what the music told you to play yeah you can jam on a fiddle exactly yeah yeah and that's not to say you can't jam on a violin no 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 but they're not jamming you know they're they're reading music you're kind of told what to do on the violin as opposed to fiddle is uh do what do do what you feel yeah yeah i can see i can see connecting with that when you're stuck inside if you're a certain kind of person right but i will say i was so young at that point that i probably wouldn't have been able to even articulate that in my head you know it's no, just, but I'm, I'm sure you got the sense of the freedom yeah yeah and I mean, just the uh i don't know man it just it just hit harder for me to see a kid play a, play a fiddle tune as opposed to you know read something off of a page sure. yeah yeah man um that that's one of the things that I've I've never been able to understand about classical people because part of my whole thing like being rock and roll and like starting a band was so that I could do I could be the person right figuring out what I you know what I mean there's yeah. a lot of freedom involved with it totally you're yeah. not tied down to some although you end up just in a van or a bus <laughs> <laughs> with the same group of guys for incredibly long amounts of time doing the same thing every night right. but it's what you wanted to do <laughs> yes yeah yeah totally and that's uh that's one of those things that's um either you love it or you don't that's or right. it's yeah and it's it's hard to kind of really put into uh, a thought process yeah it's just more of a feeling yeah yeah Dude, here's here's another thing. I remember Milk Drive being a band. I don't know if I ever saw you guys, but I remember the name. I remember reading about you guys or something. But I went and listened to that shit, man. There's like some prog in there. Oh, it's yeah. almost like yes, yes, and bluegrass. <laughs> totally. 
totally. You know, what the Absolutely. hell is going on, man? Yeah, um, that all kind of came. So uh, I mentioned Dennis earlier. Um, the other guy, so Dennis was in Milk Drive with myself and uh, this other fellow named Noah Jeffries. And uh, he was another fiddle kid. He was from Idaho. And uh, so this big fiddle contest that we all met each other was about 30 miles away from his house. And uh, we, I guess I met them when I was 11. They're a wow. couple of years older than me. Um, but we just kind of, also in the fiddle contest world, there is a very, um, there's kind of two factions. There's like a party faction. And then there's the really astute almost kind of classical mentality of uh, I have this one vert, I have this one way that I play this song and I'm going to make it as good as possible. Whereas the party faction was like, we, we, we play the same songs, but we play them differently every time. And we play different licks and throw different things in. Uh, and really sort of that whole mentality, the focus is put more on the hang and the yeah. jam yeah, yeah. and the party yeah. as opposed to, well, how well can you play that same song the yeah. same way? And Dennis and Noah were, this was just when I was really kind of noticing these two factions being 11, 12 years old, they were clearly in the party faction. And that to me was like, oh, well, it doesn't make them any less of a musician. It just makes them, it puts their, their priorities are in different places. Right. And because of that, it's reflected in their playing. They don't play the same thing twice the same way. And uh, that really, to me, kind of took focus. Uh, I was really like, you know what? I think that a really good musician, yeah, they play a song well, but they are free to change it up and play it differently and keep things fresh. And so uh, we just started camping together. It's like a week-long contest, and you camp out, and we camped and partied and jammed up until uh, they graduated high school and moved to Austin. Then I graduated high school and moved to Austin, and we uh, lived together a while, and then we started this band, Milk Drive, and that really came from when Noah was still in high school, he had written these incredible instrumental tunes that were designed for a four-piece uh, fiddle, guitar, mandolin, and uh, upright bass. And we were just like, man, these songs are so badass. We, we should do something with this. And so we started arranging them and started playing them. And then uh, we made a live record, which was just us playing around town, uh, recording our sets at like places like Elephant Room and Flipnotics. Uh, yeah, Flipnotics, baby. Yeah, and just kind of putting all that together and made a record. And then the jug band kind of fell apart at that point. And it was like, well, this is this is kind of where, what, where our interest is now, so let's pursue this. And people would say you guys are obviously really talented but if you want to play to like a crowd you're going to have to sing mm -hmm. and that's when it was like well shit <laughs> there's no chicks at a at a at a at a Prague bluegrass show no i'll tell you that right well now. and if they are they are uh they are musicians <laughs> themselves yeah, yeah, and yeah. they probably did not pay to get in right, right. yeah 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 um you you played with Bruce Robeson? I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was I played with him for probably a couple of years in between the transition from the jug band ending to Milk Drive being like a full-time thing. Uh kind of Bruce kind of tied me over and uh, I actually played with Miles uh Zuniga. He was yeah. yeah, he was in that band and Joey uh from Sheffield, yeah. from Fastball, he was drumming. 
and uh, we went through kind of a slew of bass players, but uh, that was kind of the core was unit. Was playing keyboards? Uh, yeah. When I first we played together a lot. Yeah, when I first started playing with Bruce Sweeney, was really more, was playing with Kelly more. Right, right. But then, kind of midway through my tenure with Bruce Sweeney, was showing up to a lot of those Bruce gigs. Yeah, Sweeney's man. I'm sad. That's a horrible loss for this. Time. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, he moved back to Nebraska, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not only a great player, but I don't, I don't know if you got to hang like we my, did. I loved hanging out with him, man. Yeah, he was really funny Such a good and time. Uh, and a, just an, I mean, incredible musician. Yeah, incredible musician. Yeah, incredible. Also, like, uh, not to just like this. This episode is sponsored by Buy American and Sweeney Tidball. Uh, <laughs> on stage, Sweeney and I had a thing. Uh-huh. Like we, we, I, we, I just. I pretty much just talked to him on stage uh-huh. and kind of fucked with him and he would fuck with me back. It was yeah. great. Amazing. Yeah. Well, when I first started playing with Bruce, uh, like I said, Sweeney wasn't around much then, but uh, I don't know, man. Bruce Bruce has this way of like picking people to play with him that um, he kind of goes off like feeling more and vibe and stuff. Like that's probably yes. Bruce Robinson's favorite word is the word yeah. vibe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I remember... I had been in the band like six months or a year and I had heard Bruce songs before, but uh, just like kind of like the hits really. Yeah. And so whenever we kind of delved into the not so hits, um, I just kind of played what I thought sounded good. And I remember when one gig uh, Sweeney shows up and we're playing these songs and I'd been playing them this certain way for a while. And Sweeney goes into these parts that are like on the record and stuff. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, yeah, that's what's actually on the record. <laughs> he kind of was like giving me a little shit, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, all right. I see. I was like, man, uh, well, that's not really what I've been doing, and I don't think Bruce really cares that much, but uh, thanks for noticing that I'm not playing what's on the record. <laughs> um, did you tour, like, wait. So the jug band, you toured Europe and U.S., like yeah. pretty much all the time? Yeah. Like you guys were just on the road? Yeah, constantly. And um, then Milk Toast, how did that pick? Did you guys have a booking agent with Milk Toast? Or? Yeah, well, Milk Toast is probably a better name than Milk Drive. We should probably oh, sorry, should. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Fine. No, hey. No, I just read this thing about Donald Trump calling Kelly McEnany Milk Toast. Oh, yeah. That totally, well, sorry about that. Sure. Milk Drive. No, that's fine. Uh it was just an hour ago. I'm Milk, sorry. Well, Milk Drive is probably the worst band name that's ever been devised, and we knew that. And so when it came time to like establish an LLC and all that, uh, our manager was like, okay, you guys are going to have to sign your names here. Are you sure you want this to be the name of the band? And we were just like, whatever. Like We honestly didn't think that it would probably even last that long so whenever it came time to like we're putting out a third studio album and it's milk, the word milk drive is on <laughs> yeah but you live and you learn you know so uh anyway what was the initial quite the uh did you guys have a booking age like how did you all of a sudden jump into touring like that uh we kind of booked ourselves for a while and then it got to be um kind of laborious for everyone involved, especially our manager at the time. Um, and she was like, we got to get y'all a booking agent. So who was your manager? Was it someone that managed? A lot uh, of it was actually Heidi who set this, set this oh, yeah, interview yeah, there you up. Go. Yeah. yeah. From McGuckin. Yes. She's nice. Yes. So she, uh, her and Dennis were actually married and, uh, they, you know, she kind of 
made all the uh, arrangements on the road and uh, booked us until we got booked us until she got tired of it. And then uh, we got a booking agent. Uh, it was actually Nancy Fly. Yeah. Uh, she booked us for a while until she retired, and then uh, we got a uh, another agent, um, Guy Oldacre, out of uh, Colorado. This uh, a jam guy. Yeah, uh, the 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 agency. <laughs> that's was, where the jam, that's where the jam booking agents are. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the agency was uh, Madison House, which I think is still a thing. Uh, but like, all of their artists were like full-on hippie jam band not all of them but for the most part it was a very uh jammy kind of agency sure. yeah which milk drive really wasn't i wouldn't call us a jam band but whenever we would play those festivals and stuff we would you know extend everything to be 10 minutes long almost yeah. <laughs> did you ever do any like who did you play with anyone like bob weir or any shit at one of those festivals uh n- Probably, but man, I don't really remember a whole lot from those days other than just being in the van all the time. But I know that we, I know that we played like every possible jam band fest thing that you can think of, especially in like the acoustic world. Sure. But a lot of stuff with like, um, uh, Vince Herman, uh, who's from, uh, I can't remember the name of his band and I should, but, um, uh, also the string cheese guys oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and um yeah that kind of scene those yeah <laughs> those kinds of people that kind of like had and then i was pretty new to that world i knew it existed and it was somewhat popular but when we would show up to a certain place and like string cheese was playing and there was just people everywhere i was like wow there's actually like money to be made here i just kind of thought it was like a yeah, just kind of get together, take get some drugs. And, yeah, <laughs> a place to get. Free but mushrooms. no, this was like uh, there were people making some dough. Yeah, and yeah. that was really kind of eye opening. <laughs> Although we never made any, but <laughs> we. I think like at one point, the Dead was the most money making touring band. Ah, uh, yeah, had, yeah, for sure, definitely. Like, and they they of course set. The, I mean, like late eighties, early nineties, yeah, like kind of that era. Yeah, they plowed that whole field, and there's still people just in just, their wake. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. You never saw them because they're, you're no, too young. No, yeah. I did not. Um, I chose not to. <laughs> I did. I chose not to. I was just like, people were like, no, man, it's such a beautiful scene. You take all this acid. And I was like, okay, my first thing when I take psychedelics, I start off with music I already like. I don't, yeah, I don't go to right. music I hate and try to like it. Yeah. No offense against the dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, the dead, man, I was so late to that party. Um, you know, other than like playing a lot of these festivals that like, Everyone there is a dead fan, but I, I, I really couldn't even name you a dead song up until probably I started playing with Bruce. And, uh, that was just kind of like a, but Bruce is probably like American beauty. Like, I think that's a great record, Yeah, but otherwise I don't, I don't want to listen to shows. I don't want to listen right. to like uh, yeah. red rocks, 1975 yeah. second night, third set or whatever <laughs> the fuck they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and man, the, uh, just that whole, I mean, that's just a whole universe in and of itself. It, it really is. There's an economy, there's like a whole economy yeah, involved right. in yeah. everything, like with the touring thing, like people selling psychedelic burritos and shit in the yes. parking lot. Like, Yeah, it's pretty incredible, really. Um, but I, I mean, I'm glad something like that existed and still exists and is out there. Yeah. And is, uh, it's pretty 
remarkable. I just don't understand why that didn't happen with like Cheap Trick or Paul McCartney. That's right. the one I really want to listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so what do you what do you listen to? Like what what did you what is your what's your man? Uh, I would say um, probably the thing that I got really obsessed with first was uh, I mean it kind of makes a little bit of sense coming from like the whole fiddle world and all that, but. Uh, it's funny, uh, Jerry Garcia kind of plays a part here, but um, there's a guy uh, named David Grisman, yeah, who's a, a California mandolin player, and he kind of started his own genre of music. Um, his nickname is The Dog, D-A-W-G, and he plays this stuff called dog music that is like bluegrass mixed with jazz. Right, and, and they uh, made several records together. Like when he wasn't with the dead, he was doing that a lot. Yeah, uh, his so kind of his uh, foremost record, in my opinion, is um, this record called the David Grisman Quintet, and uh, it's him and a, another mandolin player, Mike Marshall, and Tony Rice, who's a prolific flat picking guitar player. Right. Uh, Daryl Anger played fiddle and uh, a bass player, and um, they, I think in '76 it came out, and it was this music that I had never heard before and it was his original tunes david grisman's original music played with these acoustic instruments that had this insane jazz vibe and this improv improv feel where like here's the head sure now we're gonna take solos yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. might get a little weird with it uh but later on he befriended jerry garcia and they started playing together and that's what really kind of brought people to this music it was like oh look let's see what jerry's up to yeah, there's now. a rock star involved now. this is yeah. what he's doing yeah and so that kind of that kind of enthralled me especially like right after i had met noah and dennis and they were into that and it got me into it and that's kind of like kind of the birth of like what milk drive came to be was that sort of music um as i got older uh i had other friends that were listening to stuff that was on alternative rock radio. And so I kind of really, I would say moved me more so than the acoustic jazz thing was, uh, wow, electric guitars and wow, uh, drums and like, wow, these people are loud and this is like a thing. And a lot of people go to these shows. And, uh, so I got, I would say kind of my first obsession with that sort of thing was STP. And, uh, I don't know. There was something probably because they also had that sort of jazz thing going on. Like they were taking really hard rock and playing jazz chords and like, yeah, yeah. It's that's funny that you say that I worked with the guy that produced talk show. Uh -huh. you know I'm talking about yeah. the band they started without Scott. Yes. Okay. So one day he was on the phone with Dean. Oh, wow. And I was like, Oh, he's on the phone with Dean. And I just walked up and I was like, hey, Jack, tell him I think he has the biggest chords in yeah. all of rock. Yeah. And he goes, you tell him. And he goes, <laughs> and, and, and that's, I mean, I was like, let's make it the hair on my arm stand up. I was like, dude, like they, I mean, those chords, all those songs, like, like there's one guy playing guitar. Yeah. And he's only got like four fingers he can use to make a chord. Yeah. And he's making like the hugest sounding chords that I've ever heard. Yeah. And they're so, that say that. so tasty and like. So tasty. And uh, he's always cited Wes Montgomery as like his biggest really? influence. Yeah. And so when he said that, of course, I went and listened to Wes Montgomery. And 
to take what Wes Montgomery was doing and, and then, and then turn it into like what's relevant at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably one of the most underrated guitarists, not only alive, but ever, is Dean DeLeo. Wow, that's... Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking amazing. Um, and from that, I kind of... Uh, one day I came home from school, and there used to be a show called uh, Sessions at West 54th. Amazing show. And... Wasn't it hosted by David Byrne? Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know who David Byrne was right. at that time. He was just the host of the show. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's kind of weird. Yeah. Why is he the host? But uh, got a good guy like yeah. like Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk in the door and turn it on and uh ladies and gentlemen, Beck. And Beck came out and it was like the Odelay tour. Uh and it just Was it Odelay tour or was it Yeah, I think okay. so, yeah. Um I don't think it might have been the Midnight Vultures tour, I'm not sure, but it was it was the late nineties. Okay. And Sorry. Beck had this just incredible band with horns and uh doing the splits and i mean yeah. just like this tiny guy yeah owning yeah that thing and um i was like well who the hell's beck i gotta know who this is uh, and went and got beck records and realized that like there's this whole other part of music and uh entertainment and art that is not so focused on how well you do something as opposed to just how you're doing it. Yes. And to me, that was like the ultimate, like the wool was pulled off of my head. And it was awesome. Yeah. Like Beck really showed me like, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are. It just, it just matters on how you're doing it. Yeah. uh, I still, that's a dragon I, I will chase for the rest of my life. But Beck was like uh, had a huge influence on me for yeah. a, a decade or so after that. It's only been recently that I've kind of like um, stopped keeping up with him, <laughs> and that's just really? because of I, probably my age and priorities. But yeah, uh, Beck was like one of the big one of the big ones. And then um, moving forward, uh, I got um, when I finally moved out of the house and graduated, moved to Austin, and was playing the jug band. Somebody left um, the second disc of an album called The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. Somebody left that in my car, uh, you know, through giving rides and stuff. And people like, you know, CDs were still a thing then. This thing just got left in my car. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what this is. And put it on and was like, oh, my God. Like, not only is this uh, like nothing I've ever heard before, but... This guy is now taking uh, not only music, but sounds in general and creating something with them. Like, I didn't know what industrial rock was. I'd, I'd really kind of hesitate to even call Nine Inch Nails industrial rock, but they, I could hear like the that. most mainstream industrial yeah, rock band. Definitely. Yeah, 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 and yeah. that was, I would say that had as big of an impact of, on me as Beck did. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Just for some reason, that's that sort of stuff spoke to me, and the 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 songs and the arrangement and Nine Inch Nails. I always thought of as like a screaming hard thing. I want to fuck you like an animal deal. And then I actually gave it the time of day and dove in and realized that this covers like every emotional aspect, yeah. other than like extreme happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always wonder if he experienced. You know Mark Addison? 
Uh, he's from that. Yeah, he's from that Momo's era. Who's the guy that took the piano to Momo's? Okay, put the piano there. Is he the cello player? No, he's a producer guy. He has that studio down south, the Slaughterhouse. I think is what okay. It's called. Okay, I know of him. I don't know him. His short, kind of bald dude. Um, yeah, he he's from Cleveland, and his band before uh, Trent started Nine Inch Nails, they had a band together. Really? Wow! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually in that movie. Did you ever see the movie uh, with Joan Jett and Michael J. Fox? I forgot what it's called, but it's an 80s movie about this band. <laughs> no, I guess not. They're, they're actually in it. There's there's like video of Addison playing like a, just playing a Simmons pad uh-huh. and, and Trent singing. Wow. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I need to check that out. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a really interesting, like neither of those artists are known, I mean, outside of Beck's like acoustic, like bong load records, but mm-hmm. the the pop stuff that we know Beck and the, and the pop and the stuff that we know of Nine Inch Nails is all not organic. It's like the opposite, right? Uh, yeah. They're coming from an opposite place. It's like it's a one man yeah. recording thing with like a lot of electronic things happening, samples and everything. Yeah, where what you're doing is completely organic in the moment. Probably Milk Drive, South Austin Jug Band. Maybe your record you didn't do like this, but 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 like all done at the same time with musicians communicating right. in real time with with yeah. uh, with acoustic instruments. Yeah, and that I never figured out how to do it, but like one of my a thing that I really wanted to do was was bridge that gap somehow you can't i mean you did with milk drive you did it with with yes <laughs> i mean you got to be able to do it with nine snails <laughs> yeah uh th- i don't know man there was something in me and perhaps just like uncharted water or whatever but uh there was some there was something in me that that i i, I was just like i want to take the feeling that nine inch nails gives me yeah 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 and create that with a group of dudes playing real instruments in real time. Yeah, that's how new music, like that's how new music is forged now. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm going to take the sensibilities of this thing that has nothing to do with what I do yeah. and just apply it to this and that's what it's going to be. Right. And huh. I I don't think, uh, I never achieved that, at least yeah. in, in terms of like what uh, my own mind and what I uh, thought that it should be. I still don't know what it should be. But um, I don't know. That was the thing that I felt like didn't exist that could exist. And so I tried. <laughs> yeah. Robert O'Keefe never asked you to do some Nine Inch Nails shit on your... No. Uh, <laughs> on your instruments? Robert uh, Robert knows about them and knows about Trent. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I guess he just does it. He didn't, he didn't really dive in like I dove in. No, I don't. I mean, not that I, I know him. At all, but yeah, just from what I do know of him, doesn't seem like a guy that's like, y'all heard the fragile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although he has surprised the hell out of me before, um, yeah. and he sent me, um, you know, like Apple Music playlists, and the most recent one he sent me was um, a lot of Fontaine's DC and a uh, like post punk British Irish uh, playlist stuff. Most of them I never heard of, other than the Fontaines, but. His taste will, will surprise the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. To me, punk music, though, goes right into folk and Americana. Mm-hmm. Like like John Doe. Yeah. You know, from X. Like yeah. Now he's got like his folk trio here and stuff. So wait, so how'd you get the gig with Robert O'Keefe? 
Did you have to audition, or did he no, see you or something? No, just kind of, uh, just kind of the Austin music scene. Uh, our manager Heidi, uh, we we had just we were about to put out another Milk Drive record, and we had a few months off before that happened. And she called me one day and said, "Would you?" Robert O'Keen just made a bluegrass record, and he wants to tour it, and he needs a fiddle player. Would you like to do it? And uh, this kind of I've neglected to mention Robert's name earlier when I was talking about my kid influences, but Robert Earl Keen was the first uh, concert that I chose to attend as like a 11 or 12 year old. And a lot of that was due to my, I had an older sister. I have an older sister. Um, she went to A&M and oh, yeah. you know, that's all yeah, 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 and yeah, so yeah. intertwined. Yeah. And so, I was at that impressionable age where I was listening to what my older sister was listening to yeah. and she was listening to Robert O'Keen. And so when I got the call from Robert O'Keen to, uh, are you interested in doing this? Uh, tell me who you are, blah, blah, blah. So I went and met him in the band um, and we did a rehearsal. It wasn't really an, an audition. It was just kind of like, you're the guy, so now we're going to work these songs up. And at the end of it, he uh, kind of pulled me aside and he said, so obviously we're going to do these bluegrass songs that I recorded that we worked on today, but then we're going to do some stuff, uh, some of my old stuff that are like set staples. And he said, uh, so, you know, if you want to like kind of just sit those out or just kind of contribute to them. And I said, well, uh, full disclosure, I know every word to every one of your songs. So I think I'll go ahead and play those with you. And uh, he just kind of gave me that Robert O'Keen smile and was just like, okay, I think this is going to work out. And uh, to you be... You staying after that, too. Yeah, it was only supposed to be uh, one, about a month-long tour. And yeah. uh, I, he kind of was like, I'm having more fun with this than I've had in a long time. Would you want to stay on board? And I was like, sure. So I stayed on board and... I kind of had to uh, break the news to everyone else in Milk Drive that I think I'm going to kind of pursue this for a while. And we're at that point in, as a band that we really kind of leveled off in terms of uh, growth. Right. Well, even the manager is suggesting you take this other gig. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just want to point that. Even yeah. though there wasn't anything going on, she did right. suggest you take this other gig. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, it, it was kind of a no-brainer. It was yeah. like, do you want to kind of still scratch and claw, or do you want to, like, you know, make a little bit of Riding money? Riding a bus. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, and have some breathing room, because, you know, no one's getting any younger. Yeah. So then it became like, all right, the bluegrass stuff's going away, and we're going to go back to the electric band. Do you want to stay around? And I was like, yeah. And then uh, Rich Brotherton left the band, who, another full disclosure, uh, the first guitar solo that I ever sat down and learned was a Rich Brotherton solo. Wow. So when Rich left, Robert turned to me and he said, well, you know how to play guitar, right? I was like, oh, yeah, but I don't want to be the asshole that replaces Rich Brotherton. <laughs> <laughs> but that's he exactly, that's, yeah. that's what happened. So I went from, uh, I went from just bringing a little fiddle case and like yeah. fishing all day to hauling all this shit around, yeah. dialing in, you know, the whole guitar player saga. Sure. So yeah, still, still even to think about now, pretty surreal to have played, uh, almost a decade now with Robert and, just thinking back to growing up as a little kid and going to Christmas every year and uh, my mom making me bring my guitar and sing that song. Sing that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I did that song. I got a great photo. Uh, I played a Tito's Christmas party, and and I'm sure you're friends with him as well. Yeah, I just saw him uh, Saturday, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Where was he at? Uh, this little place called Edge Falls out near Candelia. This, they have like an annual party out there. So we went nice. out there and there he was. He's a sweetheart, that guy. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so he, wa- he wanted to sing that song for uh-huh. Christmas. So we did that sound check and he, it, like there's no, he just was like, like you'd start playing and you just say all the words like as fast as he could. And it was just like, wait, you're not singing the song. Yeah. Like, so he, he actually got up and sang a song with his did. Saturday. Or he sang uh, 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 "Cosmic Cowboy," and it was the same same yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. So I did this. The photo. I've got my hand on his back, and I'm holding my guitar, but I'm also singing. So I'm like, <laughs> "You sing with me, and I'll tap you when it's time to say the next line." So like, literally, like we did that song. Like that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So was that? How was it then? Okay. Two things. One of them is. I know this feeling because it's amazing. But describe this feeling of like growing up, like paying money to go see this person, being into their music, learning this dude's guitar solo, and then you're standing up there and there's guitar solo guy and Robert Earl Keen. You're just like, I'm up here with these guys. Yeah, that's that's These are my guys from when I was a kid and I'm up here. If you would have told you at 11 when you you chose to go to a Robert Earl Keen concert that this guy would be like, hey man, I'm changing it up, but I'd like you to stay in the band. Did yeah. you ever think that was going to be something? No, man. <laughs> and and that took probably that took a couple of years to like click in sure. my brain and yeah. like and and not just feel like a dream every time, you know, like like this isn't really happening. Yeah. Um, but I just I don't know. I just kind of uh, attribute that to like a testament of uh, choosing to do something and sticking with it. Um, because yeah, if you'd have told an 11 year old me that that's going to be me up there one day in this band. I wouldn't have believed it, but, uh, you get back like on, like if you checked in daily with me riding around in a van with a bunch of dudes for 10 years, I probably would have been like, well, I deserve that. You know, I I worked my ass to get, to get to that point. But still, even whenever you know that like you, you worked hard to get there, it still is kind of like, this isn't real. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had that with, with two different people. The the Go-Go's, I was a huge fan from when they first came out. Uh-huh. And then I wrote with two of them and became wow. very close friends. And Kathy Valentine lives here. We have a band together and write together and hang nice. out and like, you know, whatever, which is weird. Um, but it happened with the Bodines. You know that band? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, okay, so I grew up when they came out. I was in high school. And all those songs are like, you can learn them. Right. You know what I mean? And then I just would sing the harmony parts to all the songs. It was so fun to do. Yeah. And then that dude moved here and he saw, he heard one of my songs and they reached out to me, him and his wife. They wrote me, hey man, you're great. When are you playing again? We want to come. So nice. I'm like, Jesus, are you serious? Wow. So I'm like, yeah, come on out. And then she wrote me, hey, this guy wants to do a song with you. And I'm like, yeah. So he gets to the thing early and he's like, dude, you what? And I was like, dude, anything off your first four records, just start it and I will fucking sing along play uh-huh. along do whatever you want and and then i ended up getting to do some shows with them but kenny aronoff was in the band and one of them uh-huh. we did in vegas and aronoff asked me at dinner like hey so how did you end up like this and so i told him like i grew up being a fan and here i am he goes oh that same thing happened to me with the beatles <laughs> like he did that grammy Beatles thing like he said he's like wow. yeah man you know one day i'm up there and that's the next day i'm up there playing and there's ringo there's paul wow <laughs> fuck yeah yeah it's very similar i mean yeah Yeah. so you know the feeling just as well as anybody it's amazing yeah 
It is. Because we're there, there's some people, I, I, I talked to this guy, uh, I talked to quite a few people. Some people are not music fans. Mm-hmm. Some people are into their fucking thing. They don't want to talk. Some people are like, got into this so they could be one of the guys they're fans of. And so possibly we could be like, right. hey, Robert O'Keen, wh- what do you want to eat for dinner tonight? Yeah. Want to <laughs> grab something to eat after the show? You know what I mean? Like, I do, yeah. Yeah, man. You, I love being a music fan. Yeah, I do too, man. And it's uh, it's like the ultimate reward whenever yeah. something like that happens and it clicks in your brain that yeah. like, look where you are right now. Like, yeah. Look what you're doing. Like, this is what you've always wanted to do and it's happened. Yeah. It's, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Yeah, man. She's scared about like, like back to your album. Like, here you go. You're going to like, you got to write all these songs. You got to say all this stuff with words. By the way, like your, your, your songwriting sensibility is really good. Like there's a real sort of like genuine, like if I would call this like a pop Americana. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 um, I've always kind of, I've always gravitated. Well, not always because I've, I've, my taste has changed so much over the years, but the things that have stuck with me are things that have literally stuck in my brain. And that's the whole pop sensibility thing. Yeah. Um, this is stuck in my brain because it's so catchy and it's just, it's a good melody or it's a good chord progression. Um, that sort of thing carries the most weight with me. And, um, I didn't really know what to do with that until it, till I really got in the studio with bands and they're like, well, we need a part for this, or this needs a hook or this needs this, or this needs that. And I found that like, that's really kind of what I bring the most to the table. Yeah. Is that sort of pop sensibility of like, well, this is a good melody over these chords or this will work well here. And I never really, uh, collaborated with anybody that kind of shared that value until I met Drew Smith, uh, who was a Momo's guy, you know, and we kind of knew of each other for a while. Uh, but we didn't really know each other until one day, uh, he was playing a gig, I think at the Saxon or something. Uh, and he kind of wanted to try his hand at an acoustic outfit. So he called me up and I was like, yeah, sure. So he sent me his record, which I had heard a few times on the radio, a f- few songs. And I was like, this is really good. This guy's like got a good kind of Van Morrison sort of, uh, Nilsson sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. And so we started playing together and we just kind of hit it off that night. And he kind of pursued sort of this acoustic thing. And he went on to, uh, we went up to New York to do this gig for, uh, I can't remember what the, like, there's like a South by kind oh, of CMJ. Yeah. New music yeah. Festival, we, yeah. We went up there yeah. to play a thing and there was this guy, uh, in the crowd named Roger Greenwalt, who, uh, I guess his claim to fame was he discovered Ben Queller and, uh, is a producer. And he was like, why don't you guys come over to my place tomorrow and let's just work on some tunes. So Drew and I went over to this guy's house in Brooklyn and kind of just like he was doing a Beatles. uh, He's all about the Roger is all about the ukulele. And he was doing this project where he's going to play every song, every Beatles song on a, on the uke and have guest artists seeing them all. So uh, Drew and I's 
assignment was to do get back and uh we kind of bonded over like being in the studio with this guy and like oh you think that's a good lick i think that's a good lick oh this is cool that's cool like we just really kind of hit it off and out of that drew decided to start another project that he was calling ted i don't know why ted he just always he just like i just like the name ted but it was uh drew myself rob hooper on drums rob yeah, who also, man. Old school, baby. Talk, talk about uh, leaving a gaping hole in the Austin drum no scene, shit, man, man, when he moved to California. But uh, we went back to New York a few times and fleshed out this EP called Ted. And Drew and I are like really, like, just, we, we just always had this great connection. And that's when Drew was like, you know what? Uh, I want to start a three piece rock and roll band with you and Joe Hummel. And at the time, I didn't really, I knew who Joe was, but had never played with him. We had had maybe a couple sentences exchanged between us, like at Momo's one night or something. I was like, okay, I don't really know him, but yeah, let's give it a shot. And so Drew wanted to do something different and have a loud rock and roll band. And so we kind of started writing songs we would just literally book a room at music lab and haul all our crap in there and as the, as three guys just start writing songs and i didn't really know how that was going to go and it just went better than i think any of us ever thought that uh, it yeah. would have gone it's a great band man the music in that band's great joe i know was always because he and i played in liars and saints together right. at that time yeah and and I know that that was always a huge treat for him to get to be a part of that band. Also, by the way, we went this whole time not talking about Joe and what a great job he did mixing your record. And now Joe is like this dance music. He's yeah. like the Giorgio Moroder of Austin. Yeah. Uh, out there making it happen. Man, Joe... Uh... <laughs> the Giorgio Moroder of Austin. <laughs> that's a fucking... I hope he's listening and he liked that. Because that's the best compliment I can give anyone. Uh, Joe, man this record would not exist without him. And, uh, it's one of those things where Joe had just bought a new house and he's like, come over to the house. Uh, you, you, you know, you got to come see it. So I went over there and I had just made, uh, I just kind of recorded this record and it was on my laptop and I had it and I wanted to show him what I was doing, but it was pretty rough around the edges in terms of, um, kind of the performance especially on drums and stuff as I'm not, I'm not I'm not a real drummer. So you played everything on there? I did, yeah. Wow, fuck, that's great. Um yeah, and that was a, that's a whole other thing in itself. Like I, COVID happened and I wanted to make uh I've always wanted to make my own solo record, sure. but it was like, well, if you either do it now or you don't do it. I was like, well, I don't really have the personnel or the money. Uh I'll just kind of I'll just start I'll just start laying stuff down and see what happens. And it exceeded my expectations, but it didn't exceed it to the point to where it was like, oh, this is going to be a solo record. This is like, this is it. Sure. So I You're took like, it. I'll have real people come in and do this. Yeah. 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 That's, how, that's how I ended up doing a yes. solo record. So I went over to Joe's, saw his new house, played him this stuff. And he was like, what's wrong with this? I was like, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not an engineer. I, I definitely don't have, uh, the, uh, software navigation know-how that you do because right. Joe built a whole editing studio in his new garage. And when I say editing studio, I mean, this thing is fucking badass. He's got, it's just a place you want to get in and start working on music. And he was like, well, why don't you start coming over and between, uh, 
my know-how around the around the keyboard and your ears we can get this dial in how you want it so literally like the next year and a half i would go over to joe's and he just countless hours he put in with me to make the record sound like it sounds now and i it's just the growth of what he yeah. started as yeah i remember the first stuff he put out compared to like the to latest now, stuff yeah because i hear it I, all on the end i'm always like wow shit man, I, he's taking some strides i could not be more proud yeah, of, yeah. of joe Hummel. yeah pretty yeah. pretty incredible yeah i talked to him a couple of weeks ago about going over there and i and something happened i didn't i can't remember what happened. i need to yeah i miss that guy and the, you you will not meet a bigger sweetheart no there's no one sweeter it's uh yeah uh, i love that guy me too man yeah yeah he's a fun guy he's he's fun he's one of the most fun people yes yeah i know yeah. back when he used to be like swinging joe and like had right. the condos down yeah. here and shit and yeah. like pool parties and the sunday italian dinner yeah. thing and that whole yeah that was a rad fucking scene yeah yeah well uh yeah joe hummel man the dude the dude man and yeah. he's uh he's like he's got you know of course rockstar bagels he put his sweat equity into that and seems to be doing pretty damn well because now like i'll call him and i'll be like what are you up to oh, he's always in like mexico oh yeah beach like recently he yeah. went he went and like took a bunch of gear down to mexico and rented a house and lived in the jungle for like two months while he just like worked on new electronic music I'm like, I want to be Joe Hummel when I grow up. Ah, me too, man. So relaxed. <laughs> Such a cool life. Um, so what happens now, man? Do you are you out playing like with a band and stuff? Like promoting this See, record? How so that's kind this? of where the momentum kind of falls off a cliff. Yeah. I know. Uh, so I'm I've been on the road twenty years now. Yeah. Um and I when Robert said, you know what, I've I've had my fill, I'm gonna retire. Like, Me too. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I think I've had my fill because in terms of living where living here, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm gonna have to go, but if I want to continue to be on the road and make a living, yeah, I'm gonna have to go either get back in a van or go get on a bus and play music that I don't like. And I'm not willing to do that. And I'm young enough to where I can switch careers and not totally screw myself over. Sure. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm getting a real job. And what, as, what, what kind of job? Uh, I'm going to be a home appraiser and I've actually finished all the school. Now I'm getting all the hours. Last night I played a gig. I'm in this band skyrocket. My friend Benjamin looks at me and says, I'm thinking about becoming a home appraiser. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> You just drive around and go like, hey, your house, your house is worth a million dollars later. It's like, yeah, but you get yeah, paid. Yeah, you get paid. And there's a lot more involved there's, than that. But, no, 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 I'm sure. But it's, uh, I don't work well with the general public. That's exactly, that's it. He's like, you Number can choose one, your own hours. You choose your own hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you choose how much you want to work. Um, yeah, hopefully not too many people are listening to this because I think it's one of the best kept secrets in, uh, well, do you mind if I put him in touch with you? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Man. Cause yeah. I, I mean, last night he had a lot of questions, but I could, yeah. I was just like, I don't even know what a home appraiser does. There's another guy in town. Uh, I don't know. Do you know Nate Rowe? Uh-uh. He's a bass player that uh, plays at Continental all the time. Um, plays a lot with, uh, Warren Hood and yeah. Marshall and Willie. Uh, he's an appraiser and he's been like, dude, that was 
he was like, I was exact. I was in your exact shoes. I was at the mercy of someone else's schedule. Now you can do what you want, though, too. Oh, music for fun! Yeah. What a yeah. novel yeah. idea! Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm working on making that a reality. That's great, man. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. You're not going to stop playing music. Of you're course not. not. Stop. You're actually probably going to have more time and more money to yeah. put on better shows and yeah. play better shows, and right. not have to play some Mexican restaurant by yourself for four hours to try right. to get through it. Even though that's fine on its own if that's what you want to do, but like if you're trying to propel your own thing, we do live in a time where almost, I mean, you know, fucking the uh, what's the guy, the guy that married uh, the No Doubt girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, that guy's had a fucking day job for uh, 15 years now on yeah, The Voice. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, What yeah. the hell's his name? Blake Shelton. That's right. Yeah. But you know what? And the guy from Moon 5 has a job. All those people have a job. Right. Like, that's a job. Like, they have to spend a lot of time there. They get paid a lot, probably a fuckload more than they do with their records. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And they don't have to be gone all the time. I mean, they just are gotta... You, are you in a... Do you have a... a, a, a we live in this time where I have to say, do you have a person like that you have that you share <laughs> yeah. your life with? Yeah, I have a yeah. wife okay. and uh, that was, uh, we we don't have kids, um, but that was kind of like a... If you wanted to, you didn't want to be in some bus in right. Copenhagen. And, but you know, there was a time when that is what I wanted. Sure, sure. And, and that, come to find out that I hit age 35 and that all kind of like got washed out and it just got harder and harder to yeah. like pack a bag yeah. and go be somewhere when I'm supposed to be there. Yeah. I passed on a tour last year. Uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't going to be amazing, but it also uh, just was like, it was, it was that I was like, do I? Yeah. I got this dog. Like I figure yeah. out what to do with this dog for <laughs> six weeks. And like, you know what I mean? And then what am I sitting on a bus? Yeah. What am I going to do all my podcasts in a coffee shop? Like what? I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. To Playing me, someone the, else's tunes. Right. Yeah. The hardest thing about it for me was Okay, sound check's over. Now figure out what to do with yourself for five hours. That's how you end up doing drugs and it, drinking. Yeah. That's what I, yeah, I always explain regular people are always like, man, people get strung out on drugs because they have to keep the high of the show. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dude. It's fucking, there's nothing to do for 22 hours a day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why you do drugs because you're like, well, I got four hours. So I can get high and yeah. walk around. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, it's a. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely. I kind of have this uh, saying that touring is for people under thirty-five, and I think because around that age, you kind of, you kind of look around. and You're like, what? What am I doing really, other than killing a lot of time? Yeah. And not really make. I mean, like, it'd be one thing if like we went out and we made a bunch of money, but it's not our name on the marquee, you know. So that doesn't happen. That's right. So what are we really doing? You know, yeah. other than what we love, which yeah. is playing music. Yeah. But man, that for me, at least that only, that only lasts so long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I, I mean, so now the, back to the original question, you're going to, you're going to work, but also, uh, are you playing any shows for the record or? There are no <laughs> current scheduled shows. Okay. Uh, my kind of, Ultimate goal this year is uh, I'm having vinyl made, and okay. when the vinyl comes out, uh, I want to put together. Let me back up just a little bit. Uh, sure. Robert just recently released this project called Western Chill, right? And it's a record that uh, is like a, it's like multimedia. It's a it's a, a record, obviously. But when we when he came up with this concept, he said, "This is in the middle of COVID as well." Everybody come out to the ranch and uh, 
bring a couple of songs that would fall under the umbrella of Western chill. I'm like, well, what the hell is that? Well, it's this sort of lifestyle of I'm chilling out. I don't have a care in the world. Uh, I'm kind of doing what I want to do right now. And there's like a, a Western sort of flair to sure, it. Sure. So, the band members came, went out there and brought songs that we thought would fit this motif. And we, uh, kind of finished writing them together and arranged them together. And then, uh, we came up with 14 songs and okay, now it's time to record them. How are we going to record them? Well, he, Robert totally gutted one of his barns on his ranch and AC'd it and, uh, made essentially a sound stage. And we, he got a camera crew and some audio engineers and we performed this record in its entirety and they filmed it. So what you hear on the recording is what we played live that day. And then, so the record comes with a vinyl wow. and a DVD of the live performance. Awesome. And then there's, he even, he even had this uh, graphic novel made up of it, of the like extremely elaborate. I mean, it looks like a comic book and it's a couple hundred pages. Wow. And, uh, and a song book. He also like all the music is transcribed and into a, in a song book. So it's this whole thing. And it all came out of this thing that he built on his ranch. So I recently uh, saw um, Rattle and Hum. Yeah. Which I don't know why it took until I was 37 years old to see that. But I recently saw it and I was like, man, this is so cool. Um, It was like, I would put it on the level as like stop making sense in terms of like its profoundness, at least that it had on me. Yeah. So... I want to assemble a band that has everything that's on the record and I want to go out to Roberts and I want uh, to, yeah. I want to do kind of what we did with <laughs> hey, Rosie wants to know if she can sing backup on this. <laughs> well, she might, man. So you want to go out there and do and, and do this yourself. Yeah. Fucking uh, genius, yeah. man. I kind of want to, and I want it to look like rattle and hum in terms of like uh really kind of low lit and like backlit and like silhouette and like, you don't really know if there's a crowd or not, sort of thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. There are some weird. Phil Janot, that's the uh, yeah, director. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of like what I want to do with it. Um, yeah. We'll see if I actually do it, because <laughs> that's it's not fucking a, brilliant. There's something about that movie, like the the when it turns to color and they go to Sun Devil Stadium. Right, making the hair on my arm stand yeah. up. Yeah, and the silhouettes when they're walking, like fuck. That yeah. is like just, that makes me want to start a band like tomorrow. Yeah, and start wearing a cowboy hat on stage. Very <laughs> extremely inspiring thing. So to watch. inspiring, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then of yeah. course those. I mean, just that that whole era of U two is um, undeniable. Yeah, you know they uh, that that was the final straw of like them turning into a different band because right. they couldn't stand themselves in that yeah. movie. And I understand that too because they are a little a little self-important in that movie well the i mean even one of the opening scenes when they're like sitting around on road cases and like they're like so what what do you want this to convey and they're just like uh (laughs) 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 which i you know i kind of borrowed also that's like i can identify with that so like that feeling so well of like uh like who are you? What are you doing? And what do you want to convey? And yeah. to me, like, that, like that's just the most ridiculous question ever because it's like, I, I don't know. Right. They don't know. Like they're just making music. That's yeah. We're just making music. You yeah. Know? 
<laughs> yeah. What a great band. Have you ever seen them? No. I was thinking about going to that sphere. You know what I'm talking about? They uh -uh. built this giant sphere. Oh man, look it up. Las Vegas sphere. It's insane. It's like this new kind of performance venue, but they're doing Octoon Baby. Really? As a residency there. Yeah. It's like a huge enormo dome or? It's not a huge enormo. I think it holds like 20,000. Uh -huh. So it's pretty good size, but it's also like like 10 story video screens and everything right. is a video screen inside and everything's a speaker. It's all, it's fucking weird. Like wow. go check it out. Yeah. And is this like only, is this a YouTube, a YouTube exclusive thing or is it like it's a It's going to be a venue for okay. stuff later, but I think they're the first residency. Wow. Yeah. When, when is that happening? I think it starts in like September, October. Or something. Wow. Yeah. Very The cool. same guy that wants to appraise already got his tickets for okay. November. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It's funny. You got to meet Benjamin. That's such a weird thing. How often does someone say something you never heard of one night and then the next day yeah. a dude is like, one guy's like, I really want to do this. And this guy's like, so I'm doing this. Right. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good gig, man. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um. So, man, that sounds, br I mean, that sounds, sounds more exciting than, I mean, no offense, like going to do a record release at some place well, that was you know what i mean that was the thing man like i was You've like already done that i was like what <laughs> you know like of course and this day and age man like how big of it is an ask to ask somebody to come to your show at such and such venue when you can be like you know please please get ready for it and please uh gas up your car and please go and please yeah, pay yeah. and please stand around and please purchase beer there get a purchase some merch get home safely and yeah, then yeah. Now it's done as opposed to, how about you just click here? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you can, I feel like the world's moving that way. And, but I mean, live music in person will never go away, of course. But for uh, something uh, at this level, just starting off, people don't know anything about it. I think that um, if you got something that looks good and sounds good and is it's so, good. and, and yeah. it's so easily accessible. Yeah. I think that's really where the effort should be put. But yeah. Of course, you should always be playing live. I mean, that's that's what keeps your chops up as a musician. Uh, but in terms of getting yourself out there, I think it's kind of the new model. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I wish you a lot of success. I'm glad that we got to hang out and talk. This Me record too, is man. fucking great, man. Everyone get out there, check out New Geography, his Dave, Brian ba Bacon's debut album, The Lost Bacon Brother. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have smaller nostrils, but it's, you know, we... <laughs> I'm taller too. What's the other guy's name? <laughs> Kevin and I don't it's know. Kevin and, I, I don't know. Boy, it must suck to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like just in conversation. Right. Like, what was your name? Yeah. <laughs> Bill. Yeah, Bill. Bill. Um, all right, man. Well, people can find you at brianbacon.com. Get out there. Check out New Geography. Uh, congratulations, Joe Hummel, on doing such a great job mixing yes. this record. And uh, I can't wait to hear more stuff he does. And yeah. you too, man. I want to hear more songs. Well, thanks, yeah. man. Congratulations. Thank you. Cheers. Gang, that's Brian Bacon. Check out his record, New Geography, now wherever it is that you stream and download music. Produced and recorded by Brian Bacon and then mixed by my dear friend Joe Hummel. 
Congratulations, Joe. This uh, record sounds great. He did a great job on it. Find him at brianbacon.com. Uh, it doesn't look like he's playing any shows anytime soon, but follow him. See what, see what, see what he does. Check out this record. It's really worth listening to. If you like rock and roll and you like great songs, you're going to like this record. All right? So uh, get out there and check it out. Don't forget when you're checking out brianbacon.com, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you find podcasts. And don't forget, gang, do not subscribe on Stitcher. And if you are subscribed on Stitcher, find another platform to subscribe on because Stitcher is going away at the end of August. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, anywhere you find podcasts. New shows every Tuesday and every Friday, unlike this week, which is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because we got three shows dropping, all right? All right, that's a long intro or outro there, guys. I hope that you have a great rest of the week. I hope that you did have a safe and happy 4th of July. And uh, yeah, man, have a great day. Talk to you on Friday. Let's get down. Stay home.